0: Well, thanks again for singing, and thanks to the band for facilitating our worship this evening. Um, As we have witnessed this vivid picture, um, for the last sort of 15, 20 minutes we have left, I want to leave us, uh, and particularly the five guys when they reappear, uh, with two thoughts, two implications, if you like, from this picture of baptism. One is looking back, and the other is going to be looking forward. The first is a, a one-off, decisive action which God has done in the past. And the second is a, a continual activity for us for now and for the future. And firstly, then, from Romans chapter 6, our first point is we have died with Christ. A single, decisive action which God has done in the past. And secondly, from John chapter 12, we follow Christ into death, a regular daily pattern for us now and going forward. So firstly, you have died with Christ. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 6. We're we're jumping into a very dense and detailed argument. Uh, Verse number 3, Romans chapter 6. If you have a Bible, please do turn it up. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. It's on the screen behind me as well. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse number six and seven, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. So what does it mean then when Paul says, you have died with Christ? Well, the first sort of implication from that is that it's what you deserved. I mean, culturally, baptisms are fairly You know, acceptable, perfectly tolerable. If someone invites you along to a baptism, and perhaps some of you have been invited along to a baptism, you sort of think, yeah, it's harmless, I'll come along, that sounds fine. But Paul says that baptism is a picture of death and burial. It seems a bit morbid, a bit severe. But that's the first thing we're confronted with when we see this picture of baptism. And that's because that is God's verdict on us. It's what we deserve. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ isn't just good advice. It's not a a sort of political or philosophical strategy or a, a rule for how to live life. It's an announcement from God himself. And it's God himself stepping in to deal with our greatest issue, our issue of wickedness and death. In the cold light of day, our world is full of evidence that we have a deep problem with evil and its consequences. And if we're old enough, long enough in the tooth, we've probably worked out by now that our own selfishness is hellish and, and our lack of care and love for other people is damaging. And the Bible is clear that the just consequence for this problem of of wickedness, this, this problem that we have, our attitudes and behaviors, is death. And it's obviously a radical message, not very popular in today's culture, to say that we're not good enough, to declare that our fundamental problem is that we don't honor God as we should, and we don't treat other people as we ought to, that we need a rescue. But that ladies and gentlemen, is God's verdict. And so when these five guys were baptized this evening, they were agreeing with God. My sin is serious, and all things being equal, I deserve to be dead and buried. I need a Savior. Thankfully, God has not underestimated the problem And Jesus, God himself, he had no sins of his own. He had no cause to die. Yet he voluntarily died on the cross to take the place we deserve to have. That's the first thing that confronts us when we look at the symbol of baptism. Welcome back. And if you are new to Christian things, or if you ever want to come to understand the good news of Jesus Christ for yourself then you too, like these five young men have done, will have to admit that you need him. You need Jesus Christ to take your place. You're not what you ought to be. The consequence of death must either fall on your own shoulders or on another who is able to be your substitute. Dr. Tim Keller famously summed up the gospel this way, He said, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. That's what baptism confronts us with. There's a serious problem. But yet he goes on. At the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope. That's the offer that Jesus makes to one and all through his death on the cross. To be accepted despite deserving death. And so as we watched the five young men go down and symbolically showing that they have died with Christ, it's a sort of challenge to all of us. We're confronted with the challenge that we all have to come to admit that we deserve death as well. But thanks be to Jesus, he has provided a way that we can be rescued by taking our death on the cross. So what does it mean when Paul talks about you have died with Christ? Well, firstly, it's what you deserve. But secondly, it's your declaration of freedom. Paul says in that passage that we read in Romans chapter 6 that if we have admitted to our sin, if we have agreed with God and accepted Jesus as our substitute, then God joins us to Jesus. We're spiritually united with him in his death, burial, burial and resurrection, and Paul says that means that sin no longer has power to keep you down, because the curse of sin, the death that it brings, has been paid out already. Jesus did die, Jesus did take the curse, he did pay the price for my sin, past and future, and he did that once for all, Paul says in Romans, chapter six, uh, in Romans 6, verse 10, It is done, and so Christian, what we've seen symbolized tonight is spiritually true for you. We have participated in his death, burial, and resurrection. You were crucified with Christ, and that is your declaration of freedom. Your sins, your character defects, your future mistakes, they're not a surprise to God. They may leave you perplexed, disheartened, But don't sweep them under the carpet because as we have said, the the, the truth about us is worse than we think. But God knows and we have been united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial and resurrection which means we're now free from sin, death and hell. Let me illustrate it this way. Imagine you're wanted by the law. There's posters up. There's a bounty on your head. The police are after you. Often when I imagine this, I think of like a Western, it's a sheriff. He's the law, and he's after you. The charges have been set. The evidence has been gathered. The case is open and shut. Your guilt is clear. The sentence will be death, and the law will chase you down. Imagine the sheriff. He's got a noose, and it's got your name on it. He's coming for you. Now imagine the law receives word that you're dead. They've got evidence. Maybe someone presents them with a body. Well, the law will stop chasing you, right? The case would be closed. It'd be filed away. The sheriff takes your name off the noose. He takes the bounty off your head. You'd be free of all of it. Now, of course, you'd be dead, but you'd be free of it. That's the illustration that Paul is using For what has happened to us as Christians, because we have been united with Christ. He has taken our death, burial, and resurrection, but it's been accredited to our account. So, Christian, if you had eyes to see your ledger tonight, do you know what you would see? You would see it struck out in red Account closed, prisoner dead. Because you died with Christ, you are free. So check the heavenly records again. Tim Graham, yeah, massive sinner. Check out the list of offenses against him. His thoughts, Cheevers. He was really like that? But look at the bottom, it says, he's dead. Account closed. The law has nothing more to say to him. I'm free from condemnation, from guilt, from the penalty, because I have died with Christ. So Aaron, Somerville, Account says dead. James McMullen, account says dead. Harry, account says dead. Max, account says dead. Reuben, account says dead. There will be times when the accuser will say to you lads, you can't seriously expect God to keep you in the state you're in or the lack of progress that you're making, or surely if you're a Christian, it would feel different. But this tonight, we have presented the symbol that God has already acknowledged the extent of the problem that he has with you, and Christ has died because of it. And so we've reminded you this evening that you have already died with Christ. You are now free. You will never be condemned You will never face death. This tonight isn't these boys turning over a new leaf, but God has put their old self to death and they have started a new life, a different kind of life with a new source. As David Gooding puts it, it's like he's put an acorn into the coffin of a corpse. God doesn't just do a bit of plastic surgery, a bit of cleaning up of the corpse, but rather he puts the old self to death and puts a new seed in there that begins to grow new life in place of the old which is gone. So you are now free, go and live it. On the other hand, I'm conscious that there may be some here this evening and you don't yet have that assurance that you are free from sin and from death and future judgment for your actions. The offer still stands. You can get it sorted out. This new life is not something that you achieve on your own. It's not something that you can work up. It's something that God does. He saves through Jesus Christ. He unites you to Jesus. Any and all who come to him in faith. I find a simple way of explaining this for someone trusting God for the first time, is saying, sorry, thank you, please. Sorry for the wrong I have done. I now realize how serious my sin is and how right you are about it. Say, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus as my substitute to die and rise again for me. Please forgive me and help me to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you have never taken that step before, then consider it carefully this evening. Sorry, thank you, please. So that's our our first point from this graphic picture of baptism. Christian, you have died with Christ. That has happened. Definitive action by God. And that's your declaration of freedom. So secondly, and and briefly, or more briefly, what does that look like? Well, well, The second point is we follow Christ into death, a daily continual activity for us now. And for that, I want to read in John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 23. This now is Jesus speaking. He says, John chapter 3, verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. As we jump in here at John chapter 12, it's the final week before Jesus goes to the cross. And what Jesus is saying here is not only have we died with him and been raised to a new life as we saw in Romans chapter 6, but the shape of our Christian journey then follows what we've seen here in the baptismal tank. We follow Christ in the same movement, down, then up, death, then life. So in the first sense, and maybe even primarily, what has happened to us in the past, we have been united with Christ. We have died with Christ. But secondly, in another sense, it's a daily attitude as we follow Jesus Christ. You see here in John chapter 12, Jesus describes the assignment he prepared and planned with his heavenly father as that of a seed. The job he has undertaken will require him falling into the earth and dying. And even though in this chapter the thought of it troubles his soul, within three days of speaking these words, he will be strung out with nails, lifted on the cross as he sacrifices everything. And, and the point I want us to see from verse 25 and 26 is unsurprisingly, his followers are called to follow in the same path. Sort of self-explanatory, being called a follower. Like Jesus, we are faced with the same two choices. In verse 25, either love our own life, cling on to it. I think, how do I save me? But Jesus says that will lead to eternal death. Or the path that he took, be willing to go down, to sacrifice it all, to hold to life's stuff loosely and to think, how can I honor God and serve others? And Jesus not only tells us, but he shows us that that is the way that leads to life. This isn't just a call for the super Christians, the really keen ones, but for every Christian, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It will cost in this life So lads, it will cost in this life to speak out in your schools and workplaces to the truth of the gospel because people do not generally want to hear God has a verdict on our lives. It may limit your popularity. It may limit your promotions. It will cost. It will cost in this life to keep yourself pure, saying no to relationships with girls who aren't followers of Jesus, even if they're lovely, saying no to satisfying sexual instincts and desires inappropriately. It will cost. It will cost in this life to serve others with time and energy and love and care. It will mean giving up time and energy and money that can be spent on other things. But just as our Lord's sacrifice was not fruitful, if we sacrifice all for the glory of God, it will lead to a life of union and joy with Jesus Christ and an eternal life of glorious fruit and flourishing. So let's keep the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at the heart of following him. So two thoughts then, two reflections as we consider the symbol of baptism. Two passages to take away, to think about. Firstly, a single decisive action that God has done in the past. We have died with Christ. If that hasn't happened to you before, then consider it seriously this evening. But secondly, we follow Christ into death, a regular daily activity for us now and for whatever days the Lord has for us as we follow him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your salvation plan. We praise you that our Lord and Savior came without regard for his own welfare and sacrificed it all, that we may gather this evening as fruit of the harvest that he has won. We thank you for the declaration of faith of these five young men this evening. We thank you for the wisdom and gift of the symbol of baptism that so graphically portrays the spiritual truth of what you have done for each one of them. And we pray that as we leave this place, that it would also be the the model, it would be the shape of our lives as we follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we commit them to you and the work of your spirit through your holy word. We also thank you for the refreshments that we're about to receive and enjoy and for the time we have to spend in fellowship and conversations. We pray that you would bless it and that all this evening would be to the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we ask these things, amen.